Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Sure Look. Sure Listen. The podcast that takes a pop at culture. Sure Look. Sure Listen. 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 Very good, Benjamin. I don't have anything witty or humorous to say today because it is a very average Sunday. Ben! It is. Isn't it? Isn't it the yeah. most average Sunday that's ever happened? Benjamin, that, yes. doesn't mean, that doesn't mean we don't have a lot to talk about, though, because we're going to take a look at Spoilergate, Ben. Marvel are trying to cram <laughs> as many spoilers into the last week of promotional material for Doctor Strange as possible. Also... Yes. I've watched your recommendation from last week, Severance, which is a, yes. a French thriller about technology. And, Benjamin, we've seen <laughs> Moon Knight episode five. They're finally moon knighting about, which we're going we're gonna to have a chat about. And we've both, Ben, we've both watched an Irish film, The Hole in the Ground. We've seen it and watched it and we're going to talk about it. Yes, a brand new Irish film that is definitely new and shouldn't be, shouldn't be looked into in terms of release dates. Very good. Very good. So listen, Michael, if that wasn't enough, and it, it definitely isn't for a weekly pop culture podcast, we're going to be taking a look at, uh, there was a bit of bad news this week, Michael. Uh, one of the, the great legends of the Bronze Age of comics, Neil Adams, passed away at the age of 80. He, had, he was 80, Ben. He had what we call a good innings. He had a good innings, Michael. Uh, come here to me. So what we've decided to do is we're going to take a look at the, the Bronze Age and why it was important to comic books and how Neil Adams played an integral role, Michael, in that right. age. Right, you mean the Bronze Age of comic books, of course, not the Bronze Age, the actual age, the epoch of human development. No, no, Neil, Neil Adams was a time traveller and would frequently make small, subtle trips to the past to help with the epoch of human development. Very good, Benjamin. He was the one yeah. who first combined copper and tin to make bronze. Yes, to make a Benjamin, bronzy boy. Yes. We've no time for this nonsense talk because we've got to watch... Uh, six months worth of Doctor Strange spoilers in the last couple of days before it comes out. What the what the fuck is going on, Michael? <laughs> it's mad, Ben. It seems like there's a new spot every five minutes. Yeah. So I I logged onto my YouTube yesterday, Michael, in a in a pre podcast little focus just yeah. to see you know what was out out and about, and I saw oh look Wong versus Gargantus or some such Benjamin. And uh, <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, no, go on, go on. And I clicked on it, and then it was just the whole fucking fight. It's the whole fight, Benjamin. We <laughs> went from we went from three weeks ago knowing next to nothing about this film to now, in the space of a couple of days, having already seen most of it. Madness. We don't need to go anymore, Michael. We can probably piece it together from the bits that we've been given. Benjamin, one of the interesting things that's happening is the spoilers, of course. I have seen this afternoon from one of our good friends on, on, on um, Discord, I won't say who, but some very serious spoilers. And every spoiler has turned out to be a spoiler. But then the moment it kind of does a little circulation on the spoiler sphere, Ben. Yes. About 15 minutes later, Marvel just release it. I know. So either someone is aggressively releasing and making Marvel go, oh, fuck. <laughs> or it, it's a bizarre new marketing strategy. What I reckon, Ben, is that they've got the marketing intern over from Sony and <laughs> the, he's just come over with these Sony-esque ideas and gone, OK, guys, here's what we're going to do. Here's what we do over at Sony. We'll just release three quarters of the film and then everybody just wants to know what bits they're missing so they come and see the film. It's the future. It's called Jigsaw Marketing. It's, Jigsaw. it's the future. <laughs> Jigsaw marketing. Let's do it. Let's put it in Doctor Strange or whatever. Um, I guarantee you that what we've just come up with is going to appear on a Gary V podcast spot at some point. In the Benjamin, future. I have no idea who that is. Benjamin, oh, apparently, some people will. Yeah, the on. room. The rumor mill says there are going to be fifteen cameos in Doctor Strange. I tell you what, Michael, that's too many cameos. Too many cameos, Ben. It's like a, it's like a man from the Victorian area who has dated too many women. Too many women being two. Uh, yes. yes. In the Victorian era, yes. In, in the Victorian era. Fucking scandalous, Benjamin. <laughs> scandalous. And Lord Featheringbottom, have you gone on a second date with an unmarried young lady? Lord Featheringbottom, I have found an etching of a woman's ankle oh. in your carriage. 
Let me have a look at your cameo collection, Lord Feathering Bottom. This is as inappropriate as Marvel's Doctor Strange at the Mountain of Madness, or whatever it's called. It's called the Mountain of Madness now. We've we've rebranded it, Michael. Come here. We're going to see it, I suppose. I suppose we'll have to, Ben. Due yeah. For a contract. Wait, when's it out again? It's out on Friday, Ben. It's out on Friday this week. So that oh. gives them five whole more days to completely spoil every scene. Well, Michael, I tell you, yes, the whole film will be out by Friday and we'll all go and enjoy it. Yeah, it's a very interesting thing. I can't believe they're giving away so much. One of the things that really bothered me about the Wong fight was the cut in the middle. They just do a they just do a quick fade to black and, and fade in again. And I was like, what what is this? Yeah, well, you said, what's Wong with this, Ben? What's wrong with this? Oh, very good, Michael. Mildly racist, but still good. I don't know if it is, Benjamin. I think it was more a racist towards Jonathan Ross, who famously can't pronounce uh, ours. Benjamin! Yeah? Look, we won't get too deep into spoilers, because we'll let everybody decide how much of it they want to see themselves. I think it will be best enjoyed with minimal spoilers, but I can't help myself, Benjamin. I've got a compulsion. You you do. You've you've an addiction, Michael. You've a need. You've a need for knowledge, a hunger in your soul. Very good. Is that a is that a, a segue? Sounds like a good segue. It, it, it does sound like a good segue if I can remember what we're going to talk about, Michael. <laughs> Michael, Benjamin. this week. <laughs> the, yeah. One. No, you go. You go. You do your segue, and then I'll. I'll Speaking ruin. of hungers in the soul, Michael. Yeah. Don't don't use a hippo as a spirit guide, huh? Am oh, I right? very good. We're going straight into Moon Knight, are we? All right. They've, I, they've, what oh. were we supposed to do? What was that a segue into? Oh, that's what I'm saying. There's no bloody logic, Ben. Oh, speaking right, of, fair enough. Speaking of no logic, Ben, I've seen Severance, the show that you bloody recommended. <laughs> okay, yeah. And I tell you what, Ben. Oh, one of the hits of the year. What what a fucking great show. Great show, start to finish, Ben. What a concept. What acting. What a setting. The, Unbelievable. The graphic, everything about it is incredible, Ben. But, and this is a big butt, Ben. Oh, get out of here with your butts. Big butt, Ben. That's what we Lord call Lord Featherington, it. put those butts away. Lord Feathering Bottom, please stop feathering those butts. Benjamin. Yes. My biggest issue with it is I was watching this and thoroughly enjoying it. And I was thinking to myself, the work is mysterious and important. Yeah, and I was thinking this is very good, and it's full of mysteries, and I, and the actual plot of it, borderline irrelevant because the the setting and the the setup, and the mysteries of the characters are so worthwhile. It doesn't matter that the plot is pretty threadbare. Yeah, there's 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 a there's a lot of mystery with nothing going on. Michael. Exactly, man. It is just mystery, but the mystery itself is enough to drive it, and enough to be the mystery and the performances are enough to drive it, and enough to be very compelling. Michael, what performances? Oh, oh incredible stunning. performances, Ben. Um, I, I particularly like Adam Scott and um, the lady who plays Helly. What's her name? Britt Lower, uh, Ben. Britt Lower, yeah. Britt Lower, who looks and acts as if um, Yvonne Strahovski and Cersei from Game of Thrones had some sort of office worker baby. Yeah, it's that. Yeah, that's that's exactly pretty, what's going. That's exactly what's solid. going on. It's exactly what's going on, Ben. But incredible performances all around, Benjamin. Yeah. Even, you were saying that it compares to Black Mirror. It even has the Black Mirror sound in it. It does. It has the the pitch, yeah, and the scratch and the yeah. yeah. It's it's very Black Mirror. Benjamin, will I get into my my issue with it? Go on. You you mine away at the issue there, but I'm I would gonna... like to point out that I'm completely biased towards Michael and Benjamin. will love it nonetheless. I loved every second of it. Yes, very good. I thought it was excellent, Benjamin. It had some of the best jokes I've ever seen on a TV show. The whole episode, Benjamin, where they discover the self-help book written by the idiot. It is, it's genius. And it becomes almost like a gospel to them. Incredible, Benjamin. I, like, the bit where it says, where, where does the word camaraderie come from? It comes from the Latin word camera, which means a device for taking pictures. Incredibly dumb, Ben. <laughs> So incredibly dumb. dumb that is the kind of anytime Ben we reference Latin on this podcast and I say something wrong that's the level of dumbness I'm trying to achieve and that show achieves it beautifully knocked it out of the park Michael. incredible levels of stupidity and it veers between comedy and horror and it, it's just great it does but it so Benjamin, well though without ever derailing I'm fascinated anyway go on Michael but Michael. here's here's what there are two issues I have with it and here's what they are 
Go on. And they're fairly big spoilers, so cover your earballs if you haven't seen Severance and you don't want Severance spoiled. All right, are your earballs yes. covered? Well, you won't be able to hear me if your earballs are covered, but you know what I'm saying. Benjamin, the yeah. absolute temerity of them to end this on a cliffhanger. Absolutely oh. disgusting. I was appalled. Yeah. It put me in a bad mood for the rest of the day. <laughs> it, I had a very similar reaction to the end of it where you're just like, no, you're not going to. No. Oh, you absolute arseholes. And yeah. if, Ben, if it just ended on a cliffhanger, I would kind of live with it, I feel. Because okay. I don't mind an unanswered mystery. Yeah, that's fine. But it's not just ending on a cliffhanger. It's coming back for season two. Yeah. And season no two. Need. No need whatsoever. That could have been one of the greatest achievements in televisual storytelling of all time. But no. Yeah. They've gone and... Benjamin, so that leads me on to my second worry. And my Go second on. worry is Lost. Oh no, they don't know where it's going. We're on the road to nowhere. That is my absolute worry with this because, Benjamin, the last show that compelled me this much with its mysteries was the TV show Lost. And it turned out, Ben, that the mysteries in Lost were so compelling because there weren't answers because nobody knew. Yes, that's that's why it was compelling. It's like, where that's are they going to go from it, here? We don't know. We don't know. Do you? Can you tell us, please? Write in with your best suggestions and we'll yeah. pick one from Hat. <laughs> Yeah, and that just fills me with an absolute existential dread, an even bigger existential dread than the idea that I might be an innie. Can you imagine? What are you going to do? With, like, I, I, uh, I'm probably not even going to watch it. I'm so upset. I will because it's so good, Ben. But oh god, it's so upsetting. I I think one of the one of the great threats of season two, Michael, and one of the great threats set up by that final episode. And again, spoilers. So cover them earballs. All right, go on. One of the great threats set up by it is they've removed them from the horrific existential dread place that is the lower floor office. Yes. Um, they, they're, they're not in that fixed environment and a, a large amount of the horror and mystery of it is in the fact that they don't actually know the layout of that floor. They don't understand oh. that floor. Yeah. Benjamin. And now... Oh, sorry, go on. Yes. No, no, go on. And now... We've yes. realised that innies can be switched on at any point in the real yeah. world. And you're just like, mm. ah, you've ruined it. You've spoiled yeah. it. And Benjamin and I had all sorts of theories. I was coming up with theories watching it, like the whole town that they live in is an innie, maybe. And yeah. they might even yeah. have another personality. Yeah. In the real, Third. real world. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's all sorts of cool stuff. Benjamin, Ditchin Lackman is in it. Uh, you gotta help me out. Who, the, who she they play. plays? The th- she plays the therapist, Ben. Oh yeah. Uh, what was she and from? Benjamin, she was from Dollhouse. She was from Dollhouse. Of course she was. I didn't and even recognise bu- her. She must be absolutely sick of walking around playing mind wiped people. It's she's so good at it though. She's made a career <laughs> out of it at this point. <laughs> she's made a career out of getting mind wiped and going. Everything is fine, and I'm not mind wiped at all. Don't don't ask me any questions that might unravel any threats, though. Yeah, don't poke at anything, that. Benjamin. It's very dollhouse. It 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 can be exceptionally dollhouse. Um, it's very at, at dollhouse. Times. Very high end dollhouse, though. Oh yeah, yeah, much better than dollhouse. I, I think it, dollhouse is definitely one of the one of the great inspirations for this. But I think the level of performance from these actors and the subtlety of camera work and stuff like that. One of my favourite effects this year has been mm. the subtle fish lens transition in the elevator. Yes, Benjamin. It, that is not... That's about focal length, I think, not fisheye lens, is it? Okay, it, Benjamin, it's probably focal length. Yeah. Yes, it is. Benjamin, but anyway, not only is it your favourite effect, it's also the bloody director of photography's favourite effect. Yes. Yeah, no. Because <laughs> they don't certainly half use it. Yeah, no, it happens a lot, but I loved it. I, I just thought yeah. it was such a clever, quick way to, great to make it happen, to b- make it very, very clear. Fantastic, incredible, every bit of it, amazing. But my God, if if it turns out that the bloody that the quantum macro data refinement is to stop the island from exploding, or then maybe not. I, I'm gonna, <laughs> I swear to God, I'm gonna track down it's- bloody 
who did it? Who did Lost, Ben? Uh, was Damien, it J.J. Abrams? I'm going to track him J- down and... It could be him, yeah. Stab him with the blunt end of this paintbrush I have in my hand. You're going to get you're going to get Ben Stiller. You're going to give him a slap. I'm going to give him a big slap like Will Smith. Benjamin! Yes? Speaking of people whose minds are severed, like Will Smith, um, how are we doing on Moon Knight season season one? I, I thought that last episode was pretty good. Nah, I can go fuck a duck. Oh, go on. All right, go on. Why do you think you can fuck it up? Well, let's, well, let's get into it, Michael. Let's do, let's do some brief, non-spoilery analysis of it. So we finally transition to a big old Egyptian scene in the sky. Yeah, that's what you wanted. We get, um, so uh, not surprising to anyone was the fact that Tarawat was uh, Psychopomp. And yes, there you to said guide. it then. I said it, but anybody who knows Egyptian mythology was like, ah, yeah, okay, cool. Like you, you and Stephen Grant. Me and Stephen Grant, except I, I don't use it as a tool to flirt with my disembodied persona's wife. <laughs> you bloody would. I wouldn't put I would. it past you. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We got a little bit more of that. We get a big old backstory, Michael. It's a framing oh, yeah. device. The entire episode is a is a... Disassociative Identity Disorder Anthology, and we get to kind of hop, skip, and jump through. Um, I take serious issue with the major twist of this. Go on. Uh, well, well, we'll get into it in a second. There's a, there's a big old twist at the end for Stephen Grant. Go on. And the rest of it is us figuring out more about Mark Spector, learning a little mm. bit more. Yeah, uh, there's one. There's one very interesting moment that a few people have missed, but uh, another few people have caught, and I'd be interested to get into it. it. Overall, Michael, I thought it was a stronger episode than the previous two put together. Yes, but I don't know if it grabbed me. I don't know if Moon Knight has lost me completely. Mm, very interesting, Ben. I thoroughly enjoyed it, Ben. It had oh, the classic. It had the classic Benjamin. This is becoming such a classic thing. We can probably do an episode on it. But it was the classic House of Memories episode. Yeah, the memory palace. Yeah, where people are walking through a bloody house and the house is a metaphor for their memories. That's such... And then uh, there's always a room that you don't go into. There's a room you don't go into because it's where the pedos are or whatever. Or what? That's definitely going to get us cancelled. <laughs> anyway. We don't have a room full of pedos, Ben. We'd keep no, we out. don't. We have a room full of action figures. Yes, yeah, yeah. No pedos, though. Benjamin. Yes. Um, I tell you what, though. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I was watching it with my good lady friend, Benjamin, and she said, Dr. Harrow, I'll tell you what, this guy, he's a real wreck the head. <laughs> he's, he is. He's a bit of a melt. <laughs> he's a bit of an L melt, a bit of an L wreck the head. As the and girls in some... the city centre would say. <laughs> yeah, it's brilliant. He's playing so, snake. I'm bringing that back, Benjamin. Benjamin, yeah. I loved Stephen's interaction with Dr. Harrow where he says, I see you got a silly little moustache. Yeah, he just mocks the man openly. He's like, oh, this is a silly little man. you got a haircut. Yeah, silly little moustache, bit of a Ned Flanders look. Very good. Yeah, definitely. very Ned Flanders. Yeah, yeah. that was good. Uh, that was enjoyable, Michael. That was very enjoyable. Uh, there were, don't get me wrong, in terms of performances, I was much happier focusing almost entirely on one Oscar Isaac for this episode. Yes. It, that- it was very enjoyable from that point of view. It was a real two-hander, Ben, but both of the hands were Oscar Isaac. Yes, carried very well by him and uh, bloody animatronic hippo. And Benjamin, I tell you what, I don't think it's animatronic, but no, I tell you what, yeah. I tell you what, the special effects guys are having a great time showing off what they can do. Because there are some of the scenes where Oscar Isaac and Oscar Isaac are walking across in front of each other and one of them yeah. walks in front of the other one and then turns around and walks behind the other one and the only reason to do that is to show off for your nerd special effects friends oh this is the entire special effects department going bet you can't do this it's like, bet, bet you can't, can't do this corridor crew what do you think of this you fucking assholes they're just hoping I, I wonder Michael how much of the special effects industry is now upping their game so they can be featured on an episode of the insanely popular Corridor so, Cruises. So popular, Ben. So popular. Good on them. Good on them. They're doing very well for themselves. But come here, let's do full spoilers from here on out, Michael. All righty then, go on. So there's some Spectre spoilers from here on out, ladies and gentlemen. If you don't like it, go down to the time code down below and skip. You can skip anything. Yeah. Uh, Michael, I uh, there's, uh, there's, there's so many tried and tested character trauma motivation tropes here. Yes, go on. There's there's a, a mental mother, so this is a little bit of an abuse narrative. Yeah. There's fr- what do you call fridging a brother, Michael? 
the what they call it the peacemaker approach. The peacemaker approach. Holy shit! I didn't even think of that, Michael. What is it with brother trauma lately? Everyone's killing their brothers, Ben. That's because everybody got told off for killing mothers and girlfriends. They're like, yeah. ah, oh, shit. nobody we gives a fuck about brothers. We can't Drowns. kill brothers or girlfriends anymore. Who are we going to kill? As soon as, I saw his, as soon as I saw his brother, I went, oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. The last thing you want to have is a little brother. Yeah, it's just not good for uh, mercenary schizophrenics. It's, or not schizophrenics, mercenary dissensitive mm. identity disorder folk. But come here, Michael. <laughs> drowning your brother it's it's one of the cardinal sins here for yeah. this particular one so uh, that kind of put me off i was like why does he have a brother mm. there's no need for this you you could just have mental illness as the oh, theme i see what you're saying if so, you wanted you could just have a bad mother but no no it has to be a bad mother because of something terrible that mark specter did now there's no harm in having a character with a, a bit of a bloody big dark secret yeah. But I just don't know if it was needed for this show. I get you. I get you. I see what you're saying. It could have just been she was mad. It could have just been she was mad because Mark Spector struggles with mental health and it's a whole thing. And, you know. Well, Benjamin, clearly the writers of this are believers in nurture versus nature. They clearly are, Michael. But ah, it was a very interesting episode from that point of view. I thought it was well acted by the young Mark Spector, actually. I thought he did a very good job. Go on. Um, when he did the identity switch to Stephen Grant. Um, so I thought that was a, a very interesting take where he kind of switches from a very scared young man being like, that's not my mother, that's not my mother, that's not my mother, to, I'm Stephen Grant and I've tidy up the room. Oh, I must oh tidy, tidy up, up our the room because I'm a little English fellow in New yeah. York for some reason. Benjamin. Yes. It had the first reference to our favourite character, your favourite character and mine, the Bushman. Yes, Bushman gets a little a little mention. My old CI, it's not CI, C... CO? CO, commanding officer, that's it, thank mm. you. My old CO, Bushman. Benjamin. He says it very, he very, he says it very casually, it's Bushman, it's not Bushman. Bushman. It's not Bushman, <laughs> it's Bushman. Benjamin. Yeah. What do you think of the internet theory? Go on. That the reason we haven't seen the third character yet, Jake Loxley is because they're going to diverge from that. And the third character isn't going to be Jake Loxley. The third character is going to be Bushman. We saw Jake, we saw Jake Loxley in this episode. Did we? Yeah. Go on. We did. Um, you know the scene where he wakes up and he has the plaster across his nose and he's very bloodied? Yeah. Watch it again and he changes yeah. his voice completely from the other two characters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He has a New York twang and he's saying, yeah. you're not a real doctor, you're not a real doctor, you're not a real... Because Jake Loxley is incredibly angry and actually sees through most of the weird uh, built-up reality that's around him. And we see him for a split second and he's all bloodied because he's starting fights in the hospital because he's Jake Loxley, because he's a big psychopath. So Benjamin. I think we actually saw Jake Loxley. But what if that is Bushman, not Jake Loxley? Oh, yeah, maybe they're just going to get rid of Jake. Who knows? And Benjamin, what if he is the one who killed everyone and then the trauma of killing everyone made him split again? Oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be interesting? That would be interesting. I'd watch that, Michael. It's well, very you hard bloody, to br- you'd have to. Weekly <laughs> pod- <laughs> podcast. Very hard to bring your character back from that, though. Well, he's, you know, he's he's mentally damaged. Yeah, it's not a great depiction, though, is it? Like, of what? Of of mental health disorders. <laughs> you know, it's like, no. oh, you are a big bad thing uh, no, in I one mean, part of yourself. Are you saying that we should only depict mental health disorders on television as good things? No, they're never a good thing, Michael. Oh, but, why not? Oh, here we fucking oh, go. Oh, you've stepped into a can of worms now, Colopy. Dig yeah, yourself look, out of this I'm one. Just going to, I'm just going to quickly wrestle some mercenaries who've been brought back as sand creatures and stay oh, on the boat. <laughs> I refuse. <Yeah. laughs> back on topic. I refuse. What was the anyway. big twist you didn't like, Ben? Was Oh, it was the brother. Uh, it wasn't even the brother. It was that Stephen Grant isn't real, which is of no shock to anyone who knows the character at all. I was like, what? This is very, this is very unearned. This, this shock, this outrage, Benjamin. This... But it's po- it's possible though that most people, including even most superhero fans, probably don't know as much about Moon Knight as we do. That's probably true. I, I have, I have Moon Knight bias due to it the being depth the depth of knowledge we have about Moon Knight. Ben might be making us not appreciate some of the twists and turns of this as much as others. 
I think that's probably definitely true in my case. I think a lot of me is just like, I've read this comic. I know yeah. what happens. I, I know, I know the hospital isn't real. I know it's Jekyllockersley. I know who these people are. Yeah. Um, there's a third personality we haven't met, a grim and gritty one. Where is he? Show us Where, him. Show us him. Anyway, he, I think he was in the sarcophagus and I think he was also um, in the... I don't mind the Bushman theory, though. That would be very interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Introduce. I'd, I'd watch Jake that. Jake Bushman Luxley. I have to say, I found whoever voiced Tarawat yeah. to be very irritating. I did not enjoy their performance. Mm, why is that now? I don't know. There was something very grating about like the weird bumbling, oh, you lads and your your silliness. Well, uh, and mm. I was just like, I, I've had enough of strange British accents. Thank you. <laughs> the only strange British accent I want to hear is Stephen Grant's strange British Stephen accent. Stephen Grant's strange British accent. But uh, other than that, Michael, I think it propelled the show finally in a direction that I'd be interested to watch. I, I I am glad this is going to get me in loads of trouble, but I didn't mind the lack of Layla. No, I, I was, that was fine with that. <laughs> I was fine with that. I was completely fine with that. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. I would love to know what happens to Stephen, sort of. Again, I, I didn't feel the tragedy that other people seem to have felt at Stephen falling over the boat. He'll probably be fine. He'll probably be fine. He'll probably he'll be, be back. He'll probably be grand. It's okay. Mm. Um, grand. So, yeah, I don't know how they're going to wrap this up in an episode, though. Tell you that no, much. neither do I, Benjamin. Maybe they're not. Maybe they're going to disappoint us. No spoilers or anything. But maybe they're going to disappoint us with a, t- a bloody cliffhanger ending. A severance cliffhanger ending, you reckon? Yeah. No, yeah. Well, I was trying to avoid spoilers from that, Ben, because we said that in the, in the spoiler section of the last one. That's why I oh, said... Oh, shit. But look, not everyone cares about other people's feelings as much as we do. Benjamin. Including myself, yes. Yeah. We have both, it's, it's been a very busy month for popular culture, Benjamin. There have been a lot of big releases in the cinema, which we haven't seen. We yes. haven't seen Sonic 2. We haven't seen the unbearable weight of massive talent. We haven't seen Roger Eggers' The Norseman, which is impar- apparently excellent. Yes, which we probably should have seen for this we, pop culture we, podcast. A pop culture podcast weekly, Benjamin. But what we have seen, Ben, is a 2018 Irish film called The Hole in the Ground. Michael, uh, I, I like to refer to it as the Jurex ad. Uh, the very, very long Jurex ad. Um, Only 90 minutes, Ben. The 90 minute Jurex ad then. Because, mm. Michael, after seeing this film, I have never wanted to get a vasectomy more in my life. Oh, very good, Benjamin. The L snip a dip. The L snip a dip. I was just like, sign me up. I don't want this. This is awful. What, what if <laughs> fairies Benjamin, went and stole my baby? They cauterize you with a. A heated wire. Yeah. How do they reattach it, Michael? I feel like you'd know. They don't reattach it, Ben. You can get them reversed, though, can't you? Nah. Oh, they're not? They're not reversed? Well, I mean, I, I, I think we, this this might be an off-air conversation we could have if it's right. something you're, you're really cool. considering. Um, well, well, we'll talk about it off-air. <laughs> if you or anyone you know, guys, uh, knows anything about Persecutors, hop up on that Discord, baby. Yeah, we'll start a special channel. Uh, and talk about it up there on the Discord. So, the Hole in the Ground, Michael, is a 2018 film set in Ireland. Out, out in Bray. Up in out in Bray, Ben. Out Bray Way. Up Roundwood. Kill a key. Up Roundwood Way, Michael. And it's about a, a woman and her son. They seem to be running from something, Michael. Mm. Yes. Yeah, Perhaps no some good. sort of abusive relationship, maybe. It's some, some sort of a b- 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 bad relationship, mm. as it were. Yeah. And they retreat to this kind of little cabin in the woods, Michael. Yeah. And no good can come of it. Never does. Cabins in the woods, no bueno. Don't do that. Especially in horror films, Ben. If you know you're in a horror film, don't go to the cabin in the woods or the city. Yeah. So, uh, one of the days, the young fella, as young fellas are off to do, heads on out into the woods to have a little look-see. Uh-oh. And he comes across a big old hole in the ground, Michael. Oh, that sounds normal. Yeah. And the mother's very afraid, and she goes and she finds her son, but she gets her son, and it's all okay. But, but Michael, there's mm. something wrong with the son. She, or with her, Ben. Or with her. Is there maybe something wrong with her? Maybe she's just imagining things. Maybe she has some sort of depression or some sort of anxiety disorder. It does seem like she has some kind of motherhood-related depression, or uh, I can't say postpartum because it's she's very... Very, very postpartum, Ben. Very postpartum. But she does seem to be struggling with her relationship with her own child and the stress of motherhood. Mm. 
Benjamin, it stars one one of our gang, Benjamin, one Shauna Kerslake from Tala. Yeah, one of the lads. One of the gang, Ben. So that means we have to, we are legally obliged to support this film. Yeah, um, and support it, I do, Michael. I think this is a stunning example of Irish cinema. Um, easily, Ben. Easily the best Irish horror film I've ever seen. The the best Irish horror film I've ever seen, Michael. From the opening shot, you know that weird um, forest shot that keeps inverting and it's like an upside mm. down forest? Very unnerving. Right away, Michael. It gave me very The Descent vibes, Ben. Have you seen The Descent? Which it, is hard it to say. It, it, it is very hard to say, Michael. I have seen The Descent and it's very unnerving. <laughs> it's very unnerving, Ben, and it has similar vibes to this, including one gross and horrible underground scene. Yeah, so... Oh, oh man, that scene, that was harrowing for me. I really struggled with that Benjamin, scene. I do not like caves. I do not like underground. I saw the name of this, The Hole in the Ground, and the first thing I thought to myself before even watching it was, Sean occurs like, get yourself back to Tala. Get- Don't go into that hole in the ground. For get fuck's sake. Tala. Get back to Tala. Do you know what we do with holes in the ground in Tala? We fill them in with cement. Get back. Yeah. <laughs> After um, a while. You have to contact the contact the county council after several requests to the county council. Yeah, but I think the entire premise of this film is amazing. I think the uncertainty around what is wrong with the young man is very very good, and we can't figure out if there is something wrong or if Elshana Kerslake is just having a tough time. Well, that's the actress's name. The character is. Uh, I think she's having a grand time. She's she's having a what? She's having a grand time. I the character's having a bit true. of an old tough time, but the actress yeah. is having a grand time. <laughs> Benjamin, look, we can only tiptoe around spoilers so much because what, one of the things that makes this particularly interesting is a spoiler. Yes. So if one is listening, if you are a listener to this podcast and you haven't seen it, go and see it and pay for it and support Irish cinema and for some reason finish cinema. You son of a bitch. Yeah, that's in there for some reason. But we'll do it anyway. So the major spoiler here, Michael, revolves around uh, one of the most, I suppose, eerie and creepy parts of Irish folklore, which is changelings and the changeling babies. Mm, what are they doing? What do they want? So uh, in in Irish mythology and Irish folklore, uh, the, the the fair folk, Michael, yeah. um, they can't have children. No. They've so what the they... Snip. Yeah, so what they do is they swap. They have a baby swap. They convert one of their little... <laughs> they do a, they do a baby so swap. Sounds um, And it's not, it's not a temporary baby swap. It's an L permanent one. So what happens mm. is they come in, they have a fairy that looks like a human baby, yes. and they swap it out, and they take the little human baby off to fairyland to live out its life there. And then what you get is a, an awful little thing. An awful um, little bollocks. An awful little bollocks, because it's a, a fairy, and fairies are full of mischief. Um, but more than that, Michael, they're sometimes very, very bad. And there's an old superstition that goes with it. If you grab the changeling by its toe... Yes. ...and press a piece of iron to its skin... Go on. ...it'll try to lep away if it's a fairy and run up the chimney. So you have to hold it by its toe so it's caught. But if you catch the changeling... Yeah. ...and it doesn't get away... You can bring it back to the fairy fort and knock on the door and say, "Here, come here, give me my young fella back." No, I don't want this one anymore. He's a real little prick. And they'll swap them back. But Michael, this is taken to a whole new level here. A gross and horrible level, baby. A gross and horrible level. Um, it does, in fairness, uh, play with the actual explanations for this myth um, and references them quite heavily. So one of the really unpleasant things about this myth, Michael, is that it did have real world applications at one point where mothers would believe. That their children were replaced by changelings. Mm. Postpartum um, depression, probably, Ben. Postpartum depression, absolutely. Or, Michael, dealing yeah. with autistic children. Oh, go on. So, one of the there, there are two very interesting theories around where this might come from. Um, and remember, when when this kind of folklore was was prevalent, this is you know the eighteen hundreds. This is, this is the nineteen hundreds. Before we understood anything like postpartum depression or autism. Go on. Or before we had a full name for it. So very often, if you had a child that was different or didn't socialize well or, you know, maybe just didn't function well as part of whatever setting they were in, mm-hmm. you would think something was wrong with your child and you might not necessarily 
understand that, oh, my child's just a bit different um, because they might have been autistic or undiagnosed autistic or something like this. And you might have begun to create a narrative in your head as to why your child was strange. Oh, you got replaced by a little fairy boy. Yeah, so that's one of the theories on the origin. And the other, of course, is, as you mentioned, postpartum depression. Or it was actually fairies, don't forget. Or it was actually fairies. I mean, it could have been that. Uh, because that's it, what it is in the film, Ben. And, Michael, in this film, that's absolutely yeah. what it is. So the the mother character here is completely right. Yeah. Um, or is she, Ben? Or, or, or is she? Well, no, she is. She's, oh, she is, yeah. No, she she's is, right, yeah. yeah. They're, they look like a puckered arsehole, the things. One of the... They're, they're awful. The changelings Horrible are yokes. dreadful. Horrible looking yugs. One of the things that fascinates me here, Michael, is the performance from the young fella. Um, very good very good child child acting one of the best child actings I've ever seen yeah he's a real little prick the, the transition Michael where he finally turns violent and reveals that he's a changeling holy shit what a harrowing scene and so strong for a little boy yeah so he kicks the shit out of the mum <laughs> um, and and that's what um, that's what wears and we get to see that we get to see her pretty much chucked across the room by her own child very and unpleasant. it's it's very 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 grim. What a little shithead! What a little shithead! Because it's not her son; it's a changeling, mm. and he's been caught out, and he's not happy about it at all. No, yeah, and he knows he's been caught out. Yeah, one of the most harrowing—not harrowing, but one one of the probably the best visual image in it. I like is when she's down in the tunnel, and I hate people in tunnels, Ben. I've no time for them. No I good. don't want to be. I don't want to be in them. If I have, Ben, if I could admit to having, almost having one fear, it's probably tunnels. That's so interesting, Michael. Among the litany of fears that, I, litany, sorry, the litany of fears that I have is tunnels. I hate oh, closed yeah, spaces. No, get, get out of them. Don't them. be in tunnels. Benjamin, yeah. so she's climbing, crawling through that tunnel and she's like, this is horrible. I'm in a big tunnel. And then one of the, one of the changelings starts chasing her and grabs her by the arm. Yeah. And she's filthy and tired and... Her hair is covered in mud and she's bleeding and everything. And then the changeling grabs her and she looks down at it and it's her suddenly. Yeah. But pristinely clean and looking up at her with just a serene look on his face. And then she kills it with a torch. Incredible scene. It's bizarre. It, it, uh, what a, what, the, the whole changeling concept here, Michael, is terrifying. You don't um, want them near you because they'll bury your head in the ground as soon as look at you. Yeah, because that's what the, the little fella tries to do. He tries to kill her. Tries to mm. tries to give her an L burying. How how does she beat him again? Is it because she poisons them? them with? Uh, yeah, she poisons them with uh, sleeping pills. Yeah, I mean that's that scene is played wonderfully as well because before as she's poison as she's putting that powder into his food, we don't know yet if she's just a mad woman. Yeah, if she's just poisoning her child. Yeah, she's just poisoning her child. It's a phenomenal film because it plays with that until the twist. I think there's so many tragic moments. There's a crazy old lady in it, Michael. One of yeah. my favourite horror tropes. And she was someone who murdered her son that she thought was a changeling. Yeah, but he was. Probably. But he was. It turns out probably. she was, she was probably. bang on the money. And she, no, because she can see the current changeling. Or she, she's mad. Or she's a mad woman. But yeah. I mean... For the for the benefit of that old lady, let's hope she was spot on. <laughs> let's hope she was spot on, and she got her head buried in the ground for a good reason. Yeah, so they they get away, Michael, and they save the the wee the wee baby youngfella, the wee burn as they the would say wee burn as they say in Scotland, which is very irrelevant here. Uh, the wee <laughs> the, the, the wee chiseler, the wee, the wee nino as they the say in ni- Mexico. Yeah, yes, another. Another bang on uh, use of language there. Anyway, what a film, Michael. So well acted. Um, the the menace and the uncertainty of the tone of that entire film is just jaw-dropping. And um, Benjamin. Yeah. And it has Owen Mackin in it for some reason for about three lines. Yep, three lines. That's all he gets. <laughs> for some reason. That's all he gets. <laughs> I saw it and I said to myself, Ben, this is what I said to myself. I said, what's Owen Mackin doing here? Why is why is he in this? But he is. He's why? there. He's in it for three lines. It's very strange. He's in there and having a great time. Um, I can't recommend it enough, Michael. I think we've we've slowly been discovering some little Irish gems here and there between Redemption of a Rogue and the Changeling. We're we're having a little uh, hole, a little the hole in the ground, film. Ben. Hole in the ground. What did I call it? The Changeling. The Changeling. I'm going to call it the Changeling from now on. Uh, the hole in the ground. Little little, uh, little gems being unearthed here, Michael, here and there. Go on, Irish cinema. Up the Go cinema. on, Irish cinema. Go on, up, up the lads. 
What made you watch the train changeling this week? Mike? It was on television of all things, Ben. <laughs> television? Can you imagine? It's not called the changeling. It's called the hole in the ground. <laughs> oh, why would they put the changeling on television? That's not even a real film. It is a real film. It's a different film. <laughs> You're accidentally recommending the wrong film. The Hole in the Ground is very, very good. Um, you should check very it out. Good. There's, there's an unusual wave at the minute, Michael, of Irish horror films coming out. I wouldn't um, say at the minute, Ben, because this was four no, years ago. Well, there's, no, okay, of, of, of the decade, let's say of the last 10 years, yeah. um, Irish folklore seems to be being dipped into a little bit more and more, which is nice to see, Michael. Yeah, we'd like to see it, Ben. Do you remember nice that one see. about the boat where the people were on the boat? Yeah, oh yeah, the grabbers, the evil grabbers on the boat. No, not the grabbers, the other one. Oh, the de- the deep sea thingy. Yeah, there's oh, there's in my blood or whatever. Benjamin. Yeah, I tell you what. For all the jovi- joviality we've had so far on the podcast this week, there has been a bit of a tragic news. Yes, and that is the death of one. What's his name? Neil Adams. Jesus. Neil Christ. Adams. Yeah, I, I was going to say Brian Adams by mistake. That's why I asked. The death of one Neil Adams, Ben. Ben, tell me and the bleeding listeners who even is Neil Adams. Uh, Neil Adams is a comic book artist that worked for DC during the Bronze Age of comics, and he is largely responsible yes. for Batman as you know him today. Oh, I thought it was Robert Pattinson who was responsible uh, for Robert that. Pattinson, yes. Um, he's also responsible for Batman, as you know him today. But the, the popularity of Batman, the ubiquity of Batman, the the boundless Batman that we have in our culture today is largely down to the work that both Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill did in the Bronze Age of comics on the Benjamin, character. Yeah. now you keep saying things here like Bronze Age and Silver Age. I want you to imagine that I'm an idiot. I, imagine oh, it. <laughs> no need. Go on. All right, good. And now explain to me exactly what the hell you mean about this Bronze Age and Silver Age nonsense. So when we look at comic books, Michael, there there are three ages that we refer to before the modern age, which is where we are now. We have the Golden Age of comics, which would have been around 1930s to 1950s. Go on. That's where we got a lot of our our kind of archetype characters, our Captain Americas, you know, these were superheroes for the purposes of patriotism and propaganda. They were, I wouldn't say fleshed out characters, Michael. They're far more, you know, do-gooders, as we would refer to them these days. You know, they're just a goody two-shoes, and that was fine back then. Very often used to sell war bonds, Michael. Benjamin, ironically enough, called the Golden Age, but they were some real shit comics. There were some real shit comics. It's called the Golden Age because it's the first kind of vanguard of superheroes as we understand them. Um, so the the modern god concept, the the superheroics, the capes, the tights, the separate identity, the personas, all of this is a Golden Age kind of thing. It's a new type of pulp hero, and they were superheroes. Men with their underpants on outside and a logo on their chest. You know, as you do. As you do. Then, Michael, came the Silver Age of comics, uh, which was post-1950s. Uh, sorry, post ni- uh, post-World post War One. No, sorry. <laughs> Post-World War Two. Every podcast is someone's first podcast, Ben. Don't to be To the ashamed. 1970s. Post-World War Two to the 1970s. Um, and that is an age defined by censorship, more or less. Um that was the introduction of the comic co- comics code authority so the 19 1930s to 1945 were a relatively easy age for a comic book writer generally you would create your hero and they would go up against a real world villain so a nazi hitler, hitler you know uh, mafia crime bosses gobbles yes gobbles the classic uh, give gobbles an old uh, smack in the gobbles so to speak yeah very good yeah and that was the the classic kind of thing and then post 1945 that was no longer really acceptable michael that that had waned and the communists the huge wave that was there but it wasn't there in the same way because it 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 wasn't popular anymore to to use real life people as villains and what that left was, we had a, a a rake, Michael, of superheroes with no great villains. Oh. Um, and that was a very interesting thing. A lot of the villains that we know today are Silver Age inventions. And there's a number of reasons for that, Michael. So, number one, a, a book is released in the 1950s, and it's called Seduction of the Innocent. 
I've heard of it. And that by book, Melissa Michael, McCarthy. Um, say again? By Melissa McCarthy. By Melissa McCarthy. Yeah, sure. If you say so. Uh, I don't get that joke, damn it. Oh, neither do I. That's why it's funny. Oh, okay. It's just nonsense. Um, so, uh, Seduction of the Innocent is released by a guy called Friedrich Wortham. Oh, I thought it was Melissa McCarthy. It wasn't Melissa McCarthy. She released the rewrite, I think. Okay. Uh, anyway, Frederick Wortham was a man who was really a bit of a sensationalist and a dope. And he began to <laughs> tie comic books to everything wrong in society. He Satanism. Argued, he argued that, among many, comic books would lead to Satanism. Comic Teen book pregnancy. Was un- comic books were un-American. Comic books were blueprints for crime. Oh. And a perversion towards sexuality for young people. Mm, that is true. So, in, in a post-World War II society, uh, there was a bit of a moral panic. Go on. And it coincided very, very quickly with uh, the, the Red Panic, Michael, or McCarthyism. And Melissa McCarthy, that's what I said. That's what you said. So McCarthyism was the, the great commie scare where uh, Senator, I think it's Edward McCarthy. I could be wrong there, but I think it's Edward McCarthy. He led the witch hunts um, against communists, socialists, anything that was deemed un-American or possibly aligned to Russia. Coinciding this was Seduction of the Innocent, which went on to kind of really put comic books in a bind. And that combined with the fact that the storytelling had declined massively led to a huge drop in the comic books industry. As a direct result of Seduction of the Innocent, the Comics Code Authority, the CCA, was developed. And the CCA was basically a censorship board that would review comics and say whether or not something was publishable. And this led to a lot of frustration on the part of creators and comic book writers because it was like, I can't get away with anything. No curse words, no gore, no major violence. It was a serious period of censorship for comic books. And anything that wanted to be published had to align to CCA standards. So what a lot of comic book companies did, Michael, was they delved back in their catalogue Rather than creating new characters that reflected modern issues or concerns, they went backwards and they went back to the golden age and they began to cherry pick unusual characters, um, heroes, villains, and they would bring them back into the silver age, but give them brand new powers and stuff like Flash. that. The Flash. No, um, actually not a good example. Greg Lantern. Uh, Greg Lantern, not either. So one of the one of the big transitions, and you've hit the nail on the head there, Michael, is there used to be, but pre-Justice League... If you can imagine. There was a a group of DC heroes called the JSA, the Justice Society of America. And the Justice Society of America was a real World War II propaganda machine. They always fought Hitler. Kicking Jerry in the head. Uh, Kicking Jerry in the head, you know, and there was Hawkman. There was Green Lantern. There was the Scarlet Speedster. There were lots of examples of this. And all of those characters would go on to be reinvented in the Silver Age as the Flash... Green Lantern as we know it today. Uh, Hawkman came back the exact same way for some reason. (laughs) There was very little change for him. But that's what happened. Those characters were reinvented, given new powers, or they became legacy characters. They became, oh, I I took your name because you inspired me when I was a kid and I became the Flash because of you, Jay Garrick, and all this kind of thing. And so on. So anyway, we actually owe a lot to the Silver Age because people got very, very creative, Michael. The Silver Age, Ben, was the creative boom of comic books yeah the fantastic four the x-men exactly the justice league spider-man spider-man doctor strange daredevil daredevil the fantastic four black panther black panther yeah so i mean this is pretty interesting in 1961 um sorry from the 1950s onwards the justice league comes to dominate comic books because dc do this new model very very well and they do it in mental ways. They're such entertaining comics because they don't really make any sense. It's like an Alice in Wonderland approach to superheroes. Just absolute insanity, Ben. What would happen if Batman was kidnapped by aliens and asked to be a judge in an alien court? Oh, yeah, let's make that a story. Uh, what, what would happen <laughs> if Superman had to juggle multiple Earths at the same time? Yeah. Literally would- juggle them in his hands. <laughs> what would happen if a character 
could only spend 15 minutes in a reality and then got transported back to another one. It was mental. And it was basically, we've talked about it before, Michael, it was the spaghetti method of comic books where you threw spaghetti at the wall and whatever stuck you put in that month's issue. It was mad. Very good. It's how Benjamin, it's the Silver Age is how Superman got every power you could possibly imagine. Exactly. In this issue, Superman has to uh, melt a big block of ice. Oh, I've always had that. It's my Kryptonian ice melting powers. In this episode, I think he can do that, Ben. That was a bad example. In this episode, Ben, in this episode, Ben gets the ability to shoot lots of tiny little Bens out of his eyes. Yeah, because he needs a small person to go through a keyhole. Yeah, so uh, Superman did do that, Ben. That's a real thing. That's a real thing. It actually happened. So, th- this is the the madness of Silver Age comics, and w- one of the great things that comes out of it, Michael, is the villain dynamics. So we finally begin to set superheroes up with their arch nemeses. Um, the most famous example being, of course, Batman and the Joker. Mm, Superman and Lex Luthor. The Joker had always been the Joker had always been a huge character in comics, and Lex Luthor had always been a character. But now we began to develop those relationships in conjunction with each other. So what happened was that you know those characters informed each other, and you had foils. And, you know, Lex Luthor hated Superman because Superman pointed out everything in him that he wasn't. So Lex Luthor wasn't superpowered and Lex Luthor felt that very heavily. Whereas Batman became a kind of pinnacle of order and the Joker became chaos. Oh, very good. Benjamin, is this leading us towards the Bronze Age at all? Sorry, I'm just there now. <laughs> Thank you You're okay. Thank you for that timely reminder, Michael. But anyway, one of the things that was lacking, Michael, is that these were complete comic book universes. Insanity, Ben. Absolute yeah. fucking madness. And there wasn't really anything relatable in comic books to the average person. Um, except it, Peter Parker. Except Peter Parker. But what it lacked, Michael, was any kind of social realism. And then all of a sudden comes the 1970s and social realism becomes the the toast of the hour, Michael. An, an obsession social realism. of sorts. Social realism and artistic realism. Yeah, and artistic realism. So the two things go hand in hand, Michael. Uh, one of the big things that changes is that writers and, and comic book creators are sick of the Comics Code Authority. So it is one of those classic examples of for every action, there's a reaction similar but in the opposite direction. You know, I, I can't remember which two scientific laws I'm butchering there. Um, <laughs> but if we look at if we look at history as a pendulum, Michael, every time it swings to the left, up and high, it'll go back to the right, up and high. Um, yeah, yeah. And that's what happens Benjamin. here. Sir Isaac Newton is spinning in his grave. Um, yes, that would be called centrifugal force. For 10, oh, very good, Benjamin. You've heard of some science words. Yeah, and I'm just going to throw them all in now. <laughs> very good. But anyway, uh, what happens then, Michael, is a lot of creators, um, Neil Adams among them, just says, ah, oh, do you know what? I'm going to try something different and we're just going to publish it. We're just going to do it. Go on. Um, so that happens in a number of different places and the 1970s is where this kicks off massively. Uh, the 1970s, the Silver Age comics had defined kind of property theft by Marvel and DC. So if if Marvel created Vision, then DC would create Red Tornado. Or hmm. if Marvel created Scarlet Witch, DC would create Zatanna. And it was that thing of, of borrowing from each other in a very heavy-handed way. But that continued into the 1970s, but this time with plot lines. So if DC wrote a, a grim and gritty story arc about drug abuse in the inner city, Marvel would go and write a grim and gritty story arc about drug abuse in the city. But one of the watershed moments for this, Michael, is the Green Lantern, Green Arrow run by Neil mm. Adams and Danny O'Neill, um, which among the many teams that it covered were racism, uh, gender, sexuality, um, like you name it. You name a topical issue on Twitter or TikTok today and it was in that comic way back I in the 1970s. fucking highly doubt that, Ben. <laughs> okay. But I'm pretty sure there wasn't a bloody episode issue of Greg, Greg Lantern and... John Arrow about someone's wrong pronouns being used or transgender rights. All right, that's fair. They weren't there. But in general, a lot of the social issues that are still relevant today were introduced into this comic. And it was Neil Adams, um, you know, very realistic writing that kind of drove those points home from, or sorry, Neil Adams, very realistic drawings that really drove home Denny O'Neill's 
hyper-realistic kind of social situations and stuff like that. Bloody, bloody, bloody Speedy's taking drugs, Ben. Speedy's taking drugs. So that's that's a really big moment. And that's paralleled in 1971. Sorry, 1971 sees uh, Speedy taking some drugs. Go on. Okay. Um, and that is in... Oh, I can't remember... It completely reshapes that. So we get the the famous uh, in issues eighty five to eighty six. We get um, snowbirds don't lie. It's <laughs> the name mm. of the story, and snowbirds don't lie is the the infamous storyline now about Speedy, the the Silver Age sidekick for Green Arrow, being drug addicted because Oliver Queen neglected him. He felt terrible, so he went off and did some drugs. Did he do the sweet sweet brown Ben, or did he do some made up? Science fiction drug. He did the sweet, sweet brown, Michael. Was it the sweet, sweet brown? He was, was just the on sweet, the heroin. Sweet brown. Yeah, and then paralleled in that in 1971 comes the Green Goblin Returns arc from Spider-Man, uh, where cool. Harry Osborn is pill addicted. Oh, um, is that something to do with Neil Adams and Denny O'Neill as well, or have they just stolen it? It's not. No, no, no. Um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams did it first. Marvel did it second. Ah, uh, Classic. Um, so it's it's this back and forth of kind of borrowing ideas but these things are so popular these arcs are so popular that DC begins to experiment with using the comics code authority less and it becomes less of an industry standard and more of a thing that some people do and other people don't um, and that was made possible through a couple of strange legal changes at that time and the death of McCarthyism and uh, the 1970s generally being a more liberal time mm. so to speak Blenjamin yeah one of the key novelties, but also one of the things that Denny, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams, that's a hard combination because they both have Neil in it. Yep. Denny O'Neill Adams, Ben. One yes. of the biggest One of the biggest things that they're going to be remembered for. And Den, is Denny O'Neill still alive? Nope. They're both, so they've both passed. Um, is the infamous, Ben, Superman versus Muhammad Ali. Ugh. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, Ben, I've read it, and I'll tell you what, it's great. Go on, tell me more. It's fantastic, Ben. So aliens, Ben, aliens come down to Earth, and they're like, we're going to blow up Earth, because you're bad blokes. Fair. And Superman is like, I bet you you won't, because I'm Superman. And they go, well, Superman, we've got a load of contrived reasons that are going to take five to ten pages to explain why you can't stop us. Handy. So... He goes, all right, fair enough. It, through this various set of contrivances, I can't stop you. What do you want? And they say, well, you have to defeat... The champion of Earth has to defeat the champion of our planet in a boxing match. Okay. And then Superman and Muhammad Ali have an argument about who is the champion of Earth. <laughs> should should it be alien Superman Kal-El from Krypton or should it be human champion of boxing, Muhammad Ali? It should be Muhammad Ali. So they decide it will be Muhammad Ali, Ben. Good. And they actually don't. They take them to the planet and they make them have a fight. Superman and Muhammad Ali have a boxing match to determine, Ben, who will be champi- Earth's champion and then fight the alien champion. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever, Ben. But I told you there were a series of contrivances. Right. How do how do they account for Superman's ridiculous god level strength? Benjamin, the planet that the match is on is orbiting a red sun. Oh, that's handy, isn't it? So Superman is just a normal big muscly fella, which makes it grossly unfair for him to fight Muhammad Ali. Yeah, you get the shit kicked out of him. He'll get the absolute shit knocked out of him, Ben, and as he does, and rightly so. Yeah, well, that's, that he's makes just sense. A normal fella. He's a normal fella who's had a couple of weeks of boxing lessons. That's no good. No, you'd really get the shit knocked out of you by Muhammad Ali. Yes. One of my one of my favourite moments in it, Ben, is Superman is fighting Muhammad Ali in a boxing match and Muhammad Ali is dressed as a boxer, as the boxer Muhammad Ali. I see. But Superman is in his full Superman costume. Silly. And Jimmy Olsen, who's commentating, says, Now you may be wondering why Superman has agreed to fight in his Superman costume. And it says, It is because... Um, to the vast majority of aliens, it's almost impossible to tell humans apart other than a slight change of hue. Oh. Very good. No, Benjamin, that's, that, I, I think you're taking that as not progressive, but it's quite progressive. It was progressive. Oh, okay. It was I progressive took it wrong. in the 70s. I took it wrong. No, yeah. 
I thought yeah, they yeah, ignored yeah. the fact that Muhammad Ali was black. It was just like... No, no, that's what they're saying. They're yes. saying the fact that his skin is a slightly darker thing. Other than that, all humans look identical to them. Yes. So they need something more than a slightly a stronger darker skin tone to tell. Exactly, Ben. So that's why Superman is, uh, is wearing his full costume. When you think about it, Michael, that's a very good point. Because everybody's purple and green and orange and blue and... Everything and, uh, but Ben, space. some of them have got multiple arms and they've got limbs and they've got things coming out of there and they're like, those two humans look very similar and some will say they're slightly different colours and then the the other aliens will go, what's colours? <laughs> yeah, what's, what do you mean? What, what do you mean colours? What's colours? Their skins are different colours and they go, what's skin? Yeah, because that's what aliens uh, do. Because the aliens, they're weird. They're like, ah, like a soft version of my exoskeleton. <laughs> Because yes. they're gross, horrible Speaking aliens. of gross body <laughs> horror, Michael, that's a <laughs> another huge aspect of the Bronze Age. But anyway, go on. No, go on. Go on. Would you want to... Go on. Anyway, look, Ben. They have a boxing match. <laughs> Muhammad Ali wins. Yeah. And then Muhammad Ali boxes with the, the international champion. And I tell you what, he wins that one as well. Of course he does. Yeah. And in the meanwhile, Superman beats up the spaceships. It's great, Ben. It's one of the oh, greatest comic books ever. It's one of the greatest comic books ever made, Benjamin. And it benefits from the from the realistic line work of Neil Adams because it almost works as a boxing tutorial as well. Does it? And and one of the trickiest things about licensing in comics, Ben, is obviously likenesses. Yeah. But Muhammad Ali looks like Muhammad Ali in every single panel. Well, that's good. Very good, Benjamin. And there's a whole big uh, people in attendance at the match and it's full of celebrities and superheroes from the 70s. Gas. Fantastic, Ben. Tell us about body horror. Go on. Uh, no, it just, uh, this is the introduction of, uh, we had to avoid all that under the Comics Code Authority, Michael, because there was gore. Uh, but the Bronze Age saw the return of it in full flow. The 70s was kind of the golden age. <laughs> the Bronze Age was the golden age of horror. In comics, um, that's a very confusing statement. Ben. Yes, I know, uh, but I stand by it. And the the supernatural became a, a go to for kind of power sets and stuff like that. Um, the most famous example from DC being Swamp Thing. Oh, giant sized man thing. Who was introduced in seventy one, and then for D, uh, for Marvel it was Ghost Rider. Mm. Um, and the, we began to, you know, like, oh, he's from hell. Oh, we can say that now. We're we're just gonna just gonna go ahead and say it. But it was the rise of the antihero as well, Michael, because uh, during the Bronze Age we get the Punisher. Oh, uh, who would go on to inform tons and tons of that, and it's the first ever mention of Arkham Asylum in the Batman comics. Get out of here! Is in the seventies, yeah. So this and whole is that in a is that in a is that a Denny O'Neill joint Ben it's a Denny O'Neill joint Michael um, Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams joint but that's the first mention before that he was always just in prison in Blackgate oh. Benjamin is it true that a lot of these changes came about in a reaction to the Batman TV series and it's joviality and it's hijinks yeah so I think the the, the Batman TV series is very much a product of the 60s and because it was made in the 60s and it was made for the kids hmm and I think as those kids grow up, obviously that type of of superhero is no longer appealing. Um, and Batman had largely become a mockery of himself. Go on through that series, um, because he's just a he's just a a good guy, and he always has the solution in his utility belt. It's a very Silver Age invention when you think about it. Um, but the the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams comics really set about trying to ground that character again. Um, and the dark, brooding Batman that we know today is very much a Denny O'Neill, Neil Adams gig. Um, mm. And it was in direct response to the jovial, happy, fun time Adam West Batman. Mm. So there you go. Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. So Neil Adams has had a tremendous effect um, on the landscape of comic books. He created a huge amount of the the big moments in comic books um, you would have seen a lot of his stuff in covers you know those those classic covers where it was like The Flash is wanted for murder or Jimmy Olsen kills Superman you know those big gotcha comic book covers they were all um, Neil Adams he also created Rash Al Ghul Ben he did he did who became one of the key figures in the DC universe not only um, 
in the Batman universe. The Brave and the Bold was another gig that he did with Denny O'Neill quite a bit. Um, and the Brave and the Bold were kind of classic superhero stories where Batman would team up with other superheroes in the DC universe. And they were blue, huge. Blue Beetle. Blue Beetle, Green Arrow. The Booster Question. Gold. Vic Reeves, The Question. Yes. Bob Mortimer. Bob Mortimer. Um, yep, yeah, it was all the thing. It's mad that Vic Reeves is, isn't actually a real person. Um, <laughs> no, he is, though. Have you ever watched it? Have you watched, actually, Michael, here's something apropos of nothing. Um, all right. That's an awful lot of fun. Do you know what I watched? Go on. Paul and Bob Gone Fishing. It's uh, very Paul, good. Paul Whitehouse and Bob Mortimer. And they go on little fishing trips together. It's fucking yeah, great. They fall off their chairs and stuff. It's absolutely incredible. It's incredible. It's great stuff. television. Let's wrap it up there, Benjamin. Yeah, on that note, ladies and gentlemen, um, would you like to hear a whole episode on Paul and Bob go f- Gone Fishing? Um, <laughs> let us know. Should we translate? My microphone just fell over. Very, very professional. Um, should we do an entire episode, ladies and gentlemen, on real television for real people? Uh, cool. Let us know. <laughs> yeah, it's too late. We're transitioning into a Gogglebox-style podcast where we oh, just no. talk about that stuff from now on. Uh, anyway, ladies and gentlemen, there are a couple of ways yes. that you can get in touch with us. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanreviog.com, S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny Roman Irish. It does indeed. You can find us on Instagram at Your Luxury Podcast. Always updated with the freshest, hottest Doctor Strange spoilers. That was done to give me a little stabby-stabby, but that's okay. I'll move on. <laughs> um, and then finally, ladies and gentlemen, the best way to get in touch with us and to see spoilers about Doctor Strange before you even knew they were out is to get up on that Discord, baby. Hop up on it. Yeah, get up on it and uh, let us know. Uh, we're always looking for more episodes. We appreciate the ones that have been sent into us so far. We'd love some episode ideas, so give us some of them as well. Oh, I love an episode idea, Ben. Yeah, it's great. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it from us. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. See you next week. Oh, Collecting Issues. Collecting Issues is on Wednesday. This very, very Wednesday where we'll be taking a look at new Next Wave. Next Wave, Agents of Hate. Agents of Hate. Yeah, we're going to be taking a look at that. It's going to be good. Bye-bye. Bye-bye, everybody. Watch out.